Hey, how's it going? This is Evan Jackson, video production director of New Life Church. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired today. Enjoy the message. All right. This series is called The Wisdom Pyramid. The Wisdom Pyramid, feeding your soul in a post-truth world. Post-truth world. Now, the big idea of this series is the concept that with a tap of a finger, we can access an endless stream of addictive information. Sports scores, breaking news, political opinions, streaming TV, the latest Instagram posts, and much more. Accessing information has never been easier. Now, I come from a generation where if you wanted to write a term paper, you actually had to go to a library and look at books. I actually learned how to use a card catalog. I know how, that's old, I'm old. I'm old. Now I go to the library, I still, there is, there are actually still those buildings that exist that are called libraries, and they still have books in them, which is weird. So the kids are like, not for long. <laughs> but the concept is, now they have a computer, you can put it in, it shows you where it is. I had to lose a card catalog, and I, I, I was told how to use it, and I never really learned how to use it because it's so frustrating. But information is so easy, right? Accessing information has never been easier, but acquiring wisdom is increasingly difficult. Acquiring wisdom is increasingly difficult. So this is a six-week six series based on the book, The Wisdom Pyramid, by Brett McCracken, we're going to unleash the Kraken on you, challenges us to increase our intake of enduring, trustworthy sources like the Bible, while moderating our consumption of less reliable sources like the internet and social media. It's a very apropos conversation, and I hope we, hope we, can, I hope we can hear it. Week one is entitled, A Strong Foundation. A strong foundation. So the big idea of this message is the Bible is the foundation of a healthy information diet for every Christian. At a time when so much of our daily media diet is toxic and making us spiritually sick, the wisdom pyramid suggests that we become healthy and wise when we reorient our lives around God. The foundation of truth and the eternal source of wisdom. That's God. The foundation of truth and the eternal source of wisdom. Brett McCracken explains that the wisdom pyramid is inspired by the food pyramid. Now, if you, if you lived through the 90s, you probably saw this. Um, do you want to show that picture? That was me in the 90s, by the way. I wore a tie every day. had those pleated pants. And I taught kids just like that. You probably remember the, the food pyramid. Now, the food pyramid's funky. Uh, if you have to eat eight servings of grain a day, I think you're probably going to not be very healthy. But uh, we're going to use the model of a pyramid, not necessarily <laughs> the food pyramid itself. Uh, the food pyramid represented the optimal number of servings to be eaten each day from each of the basic food groups. That was the idea, Okay. The first pyramid was uh, published in Sweden in 1974. That was the first pyramid. 
1992, the pyramid introduced by the United States Department of Agriculture was called the Food Guide Pyramid, or Eating Right Pyramid. It was updated again <laughs> because it was so bad in 2005 to my pyramid. Because everything is me nowadays. Everything's I. iPhone, I need, I want my pyramid. <laughs> okay. The wisdom uh, pyramid is a helpful visual of for imagining what constitutes a healthy information diet. A healthy information diet. And we need this in this day and age. So in the first several chapters of his book, McCracken argues that the constant bombardment of entertainment and information we face creates an information, uh, an information diet that is unhealthy and often counterproductive for gaining godly wisdom. He suggests that we will become malnourished if we develop bad consumption habits. Just as with food, we must not consume too much information. You want to be bloated with information. We should not consume our information too quickly. I'll give you a bellyache. Or consume only what we find preferable. Preferable. I mean, if I find, you know, Hershey chocolate bars preferable, and I just eat that, I'm not going to be a healthy human being. But I have to. Sometimes I have to eat something that's green. Ew. Something, something that's green, something that's healthy to balance that diet. And I, I think in those ways, we can't eat too fast, we can't eat too much, and we can't consume just the information that we like. We have to be balanced in that. So today we're going to talk about the cornerstone. Every great architectural structure must begin with a good foundation. Matthew 7, 24 says this. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded on the house. Yet it did not collapse because its foundation was on the rock. I want you to hear what I'm saying here. Ready? This is what Jesus says. But everyone who hears the words of mine, and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew, and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. So I did some research on foundations, and this is an interesting graphic. I hope many of you can see it. Some of the tallest buildings have some immense foundations. Now, interestingly enough, uh, the building can go way higher than the foundation has to go down. But if the foundation doesn't go low enough, that building will be compromised. Okay? So, for example, the Burj Khalif is 2,000 
720 feet tall. Doesn't make any sense. It's tall. That is the tallest building in the world. Its foundation is 164 feet deep. How many have gone into their basement? Right? Just, you know, think, you think about it like, that's a really tall building. That's not very big foundation. Think about foundations. That's a big foundation. Okay? It uh, has 192 foundation piles, each with a five-foot uh, diameter. Foundation piles, five-foot diameter. 192. It has a 12-foot concrete mat. Now, why is that, why is that building have such a huge foundation? Because it's, built, it's basically built in sand. They had to overbuild so that this thing didn't just like get blown over by a sandstorm. They had to go deep and they had to build. Now, the One World Trade Center um, is, is 1,776 feet tall and has a 150-foot foundation. Rock anchors extend 80 feet into the bedrock. Underground supports built around pre-existing commuter trains. I like that idea as a metaphor. Sometimes there's just stuff going on underneath that you got to build around. You got to make it happen because this this thing is gonna is gonna topple. You know. Now, interestingly enough, we know 2000, uh, 2001, 9/11 happened, and they took down the two trade towers. Now, what many people don't know at this time is that there was multiple attacks on the trade towers. And they all tried, all of those attacks tried to, to undermine the building from the basement, from the, from the garage. And, they, and the building didn't even budge. It was only until they attacked the top and brought it down that way that they had success. Because the foundations were just so strong. Because they went down into the bedrock. Now, the other building, the... Um, what is it called again? Burj Khalif has to have overbuild its foundation because there's no, there's no bedrock. I mean, it's just sand. Whereas the trade tower can actually anchor into bedrock and it ain't going anywhere. Now, we could, there's a whole sermon series we could do around tall buildings. I love because the materials that they use for tall buildings, did you know that they allow for some swaying? Tall buildings are not rigid. They allow for a little bit of movement. Okay, there's a whole sermon there, but we won't go there. As Brett reminisces about growing up in a family that prioritized the Bible, he discussed the Bible's universal appeal. Two billion people all over the world look to the Bible as the source of authority for their lives. That's encouraging. It should be the foundation of our informational diet because it stands the test of time and spans the breadth of culture. Do you know what culture is? It's not a foundation. It's actually the wind. Culture is not something to build your life on. It is something that, that beats against the foundation, the structure. We all, we're so in, interested and in, engaged in culture when we should be engaged in what is going to save us from the shifting winds of culture. Truth 
will sustain when culture shifts. You know what I'm talking about. Culture is constantly shifting. It's like a politician. What, what am I going to say today? Oh, it's opposite of what I said yesterday? Ah, who cares? What happens? Open your Bibles to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. This is our major text for today. Psalm 1 is beautiful. I memorized it in the King James as a child. So I'm going to read it today and try not to go between translations. <laughs> Psalm 1 says this. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like the chaff that the wind blows away. What did I say about culture? Just chaff. There's no substance to it. Therefore, the wicked will not stand upon, up on the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Psalm 1 teaches we must learn to cherish God's word. Cherish God's word. Rather than pursue the wisdom of those around us, we must learn to surrender our intellectual self-sufficiency. Know what that means? Be humble. Be humble. Surrender your intellectual self-sufficiency and submit to God's authority. I want to say it again. We must surrender our intellectual self-sufficiency and submit to God's authority. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could cherish God's word like the writer of Psalm 1, where he says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. His delight is in, in this translation, God's instruction. He delights in God's instruction. And in that instruction, he meditates daily and throughout the night. Just like eating properly, delighting in God's word can be difficult, right? When life uh, passes us, um, when life presses us with long work days. Can anybody say amen? Long work days. Leading a ministry. Raising kids. Got a lot of Snickers out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And getting through a tough semester. Maybe that's where you live right now. I'm going to tell you, we always think like once we get past this season, it's going to be easy. It's not. You know why? Because it's called life. 
Life isn't easy. Life is tough. Life has struggles and trials and winds are blowing and the, and the seas are rising. And no matter what season you're in, you're, if you're in a good season right now, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but build up the foundation because the winds are going to come again. They're gonna, it's going to happen. The seas are going to rise again. It's just the way life is. Deal with it. We cannot, we cannot retreat into a cocoon where everything's padded around us with just what we like and just what we want to think and just what... We can't do that. we got to live life as life is. And sometimes life is hard. Most of the time, life is hard. We know that spending time in God's world will nourish our faith and restore us during these busy days, but we don't prioritize it. So here, I'm going to give you this is going to be practical. I'm going to give you five simple tips for regularly getting time in God's Word. Oh, here he goes. He's going to prescribe, you know, if you read three chapters a day, you'll get through the whole book. I'm not going to do that. We, I'm going to talk to you where you live today. But I want you to think about this. In this pyramid here, how much time Am I giving to God's word as opposed to the rest of life? Now, giving, your, giving uh, time to God's word is not just the time you sit reading your Bible. It's the application of the knowledge you get because when you apply knowledge, we call that wisdom. Knowledge is only knowledge if it stays here. You know how many doctors there are? I don't know the answer, but I've seen it, and people have marveled at it. My, my sister-in-law is a maternity nurse. And she goes, you would not believe how many doctors smoke. Isn't that weird? That's just weird to me. I mean, whatever, but like, it's just weird. Like, smoking is, like, some people do it, but like, a doctor knows these things. Knowledge but that knowledge isn't going to save him from emphysema at the end of his life. He's not going to do that. Well, I knew all about it. I read books and medical journals. Then why didn't you do it, idiot? Because you can know everything there is to know, but if you don't apply it, it's not wisdom. Wisdom is applying godly principles to our lives and adjusting. Here's the thing, adjusting our lives according to his truth, not our own whims. So here's five things that you can do. Maybe one of them will help you. Maybe all five will help you. I don't know, but here we go. Plan a time and a place to read the Bible each day. Plan a time and a place. Uh, maybe you're one of those people like, I am just not a I'm not a schedule person. I'm not a schedule person. Neither am I. But this is so important to me that I've scheduled it. So you could say, I'm not a schedule person. I'm kind of, Ooh, I just go where the wind blows me. You know what happens when there's something you should do, but you don't prioritize it? 
you don't do it. So I'm just saying, I'm not that kind of person either. My wife is a very structured, very organized person. I am not. That's why God gave me her. So she gets me out of bed in the morning. She kicks me, makes my... No, she doesn't do that. But this has been something that I have had to prioritize in my life. So therefore, I have made a special... I've carved out a special time. Now, maybe you're a morning person. Maybe you're not. Maybe you have a lunch break where that works. Maybe you don't. I don't know what your schedule is, but you can. You can carve out some time in a day to read God's Word. Folks, I'm just going to tell you right now, we have the most amazing access to this body of truth, and we, lead it, and we read it less and less. You have like five gazillion translations of this on your phone but yet we use it to look at TikTok. We have one thing that will build us up and the other that will tear us down, but we choose the one that will tear us down. Social media, things like that. Okay? We need to carve out a time. Carve out. It doesn't have to be, you know, I believe that too much is given, much is required, and I have been given a ministry by God. I am the pastor of a church. Therefore, it would be natural that my time in, in the Word should be longer than most. So I'm not saying, hey, you should you know, study for an hour like I do, Blah. just because I do it. No, I'm saying find a time, find a resource, find a book um, that, that leads you through a verse a day or something like that. Find something. There's daily breads out on the four-year table. Grab a daily bread. Read one a day. It will take you 10 minutes. Meditate. Think about it. Uh, the uh, version Bible, because everything's about you. version Bible is, is got so many resources on there. If you know how to use a phone, do that. But find a time. Make it. If you think God's word is important, then don't just say it. Carve it out. There's lots of things competing for your time. I get that. And if we're not intentional about scheduling time to spend with God, it's easy for the daily to-do list and the fires that come up. You know how all that happens. As soon as you sit down, phone rings. Kids start screaming. One of these days I'm just going to say, I don't care if your leg's hanging off. Deal with it. I just sat down. Call mom. They do that anyway. But... Um, Plan a time each day. Number two, engage in the Bible verses you read. In fact, sometimes quantity is not as helpful as quality. I've had moments in my life where I was, I was uh, motivated to read through the entire Bible, right? And I can remember mornings. I've read my daily allotment, and I have no idea what I just read. And other days where I was very engaged by it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing to read through the Bible. I'm not saying that. But I, I remember some days I'm like, man, I just, I just flaked out on all that. So it's not necessarily always quantity that you have to have a large amount. Because every word in here, every jot, every cross, T, and dotted I is inspired by the word, uh, the, the word of God, which is Jesus Christ. 
So if you read one verse and you meditate on it, you'll get something out of it. If you read one chapter of Psalms and think about it, engage with it, you will be blessed and you will gain wisdom. It's not always about quantity. It is absolutely about quality of time with God. Psalm 1 describes a person who delights in the Lord's instruction as meditating on it day and night. Meditating on God's word does not take, uh, does, it does take a little bit of planning. It does take a little bit of planning. It says we need to plan, uh, plan practices that keep us engaged with the scriptures as we meditate on them. Depending on how your mind works, it might be copying a passage that you, uh, you refer back to throughout the day. I know one of my mentors was great about he would keep reading until he found a verse that he could really sink his teeth into. And then he'd write it on a post-it note, and he'd put it on his car. He'd take it off his car. He'd put it on his desk. He'd take it off his desk, put it back in the car. Take it out, and he would, just, he would just have that verse in front of him all day. Just meditate on it. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's your personality. Maybe, it's, maybe it would be helpful for you to pray through verses out loud on your way to work. On your way to work. Maybe you're like self-conscious to pray out loud in your home because it's just weird, weird for you. Make your car your sanctuary. Turn off the talk radio for a period of time. And just think about what you read, could be that. Journaling about uh, or simply rethinking through a main point of the passage throughout the day. Now, I was never a journaler. Uh, I kind of thought that was like kind of like what girls do, like the diary, dear diary. He loves me, he loves me not. He's so cute. He looked at me today. I thought that was what diaries for. But what I realized is journaling is all about just processing. A journal is about processing. Now I've gone, I have like stacks of journals that I've, I've written through now. And I'm telling you, some of them, when I was going through a dark period of life, they're not the most polite. Because I was processing God's word through, in my circumstance. And a lot of, some of those times were like, why, God? What, what are you doing? Don't you care? Don't you hear me? Your word says this. How come I'm not feeling this? And then you'll have other times where you, you'll see, ah, that's what you were doing. And you get on the other side of it, and you see that the word really rang true. You're like, ah, oh, yes. You're good, God. And other times we're just like, Whew, you are a gift. Praise your name. And, and, and written, I, so I've done that. I also write in my Bibles. I write in my Bibles a lot. In fact, I had to consolidate which Bible I use for study because I was like, it became a thing. I heard somebody talk about how um, when, the, when you die, what are you going to hand on to your kids? And one of the things I said, I want, I want my kids to have dad's Bible. And right now, I'm writing in all different Bibles. So I'm like, no, I want to have all the God's uh, instruction to me, all God's wisdom, all the things I've gleaned in one Bible so that Lincoln, Kennel, Ari can say, this was Dad's Bible. 
And this is what God was speaking to him through his life. So I've had to consolidate because I write so much in my Bibles. Maybe that's you. But engage with the word of God. You're never too young to engage in the word of God. My five-year-old little girl comes down the stairs the other day. Daddy, I did my devos. I didn't even know you knew the word devo. She probably doesn't even know that it's short for devotions. But what she understood is I did what you do, Daddy, and what Mommy does, and I read my picture Bible, and then she goes, and I prayed. Aww. And five years later, she's fighting with her brother. But anyway, but you're never too young to engage in the Word of God. It will build a foundation that will sustain you through. Okay, number three. Listen to God's word in the car. That may be a great opportunity. Listen to God's word in the car. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, the average American uh, commutes 25.4 minutes each day every day. Maybe that's you plus some. That's over four hours every week and about 112 hours a year that you could redeem. Think about that. Consider choosing a book of the Bible to listen through over the next few weeks on part of your commute to work. As you're running errands or while uh, ferrying your kids to whatever they do. For us, it's soccer. (laughs) It's all soccer. Romans 10, 17 says, so that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you listen to the word of God, even if it's, I'm telling you folks, your brain is so amazing. Your brain, maybe you're washing the dishes or you're doing, your brain, maybe you're not even like engaging with it so much, but even if it could be background noise, I'm telling you, your brain's getting it. I'm not saying that's all you should do. Just like, you know, put it on the background like back. I'm not saying that's all how you should engage, but I'm saying we can redeem some time in our schedules to, to build a foundation that's going to sustain because your brain will. Remember it. Faith comes by, and it will build your faith because faith comes by hearing. That's why you're here today. You want to hear the word of God. You don't want to hear what some flaky pastor says. You want to hear what the word of God says. Faith comes by hearing. Number four, place Bible verses where you'll see them throughout the day. Where do you spend a lot of your time looking? If it's in the mirror, we have another sermon for you. It's on vanity, and we'll deal with that next week. No. I read this article, and somebody gave a testimony. He says, when I was growing up, my family printed off Romans 8, stuck it in a plastic page projector, and taped it to the inside of the shower wall. From sleepy morning showers when I could barely keep my eyes open to late night showers weighted down by the day's struggles, these verses refreshed my tired soul again and again. And the writer of this says he can quote verbatim Romans 8 because it was in a shower. Maybe you take long showers. I know my kids do. What are you doing in there? 
What real world spots do you spend a lot of time looking at? The windowsill above your kitchen sink, bathroom mirror, the wall behind your desk, the ceiling over your bed. If, you, if, you, if, you're, one, if you're like an insomniac like I can be sometimes, you just give a little light on it. Just... Number five, and we're closing. And this is one of the more traditional things. Decide on a reading plan. There's so many tools and options out there to help you to accomplish some reading. My plan for this year was that instead of just reading, I am studying through books of the Bible. So now I have studied through um, Matthew, the book of uh, John, Galatians, Ephesians, and James. I've studied through them, like read commentaries back to cover. Cover, cover, back cover. And not just read it, but have actually engaged with it. But that's just me. There are so many things out there. Start small, but get something that is going to help you to engage. Okay? Let me ask you a couple questions. Do we love God's Word? So easy to say that. Oh, yes, I love it. When's the last time you looked at it? I mean, it's not like, wow, it's really a pretty book. Put it on your book, you know. I love that Bible. It's so pretty. I only buy beautiful Bibles. Do we, do we love it? When's the last time we picked it up and read it? Do we consider how magnificent this gift is to us? Think about it. The Word of God passed down from generation to generation so that we can build foundations for our lives that will sustain the storms of life. Do you delight in it during the day and throughout the night? Here's some food for thought. I want you to think about this, personalize this. How's my food pyramid? What is sitting on the foundational level of my food pyramid? Is the Bible the foundation of my information diet? See, what the foundation, what the Bible can do is become the warden of your information diet. It could say, no, no, you're not truth, you don't come in here. Just because something is fun and exciting doesn't mean it's bad. But there's got to be somebody who's checking the gate. You know, it's like the guy with the wand at the airport. Somebody's got to check that gate. No, no, you can't come in here. That's not profitable for the Bible can do that. It can help you not only be a foundation for your, food, your, your information pyramid, your wisdom pyramid, but it can also be the uh, gatekeeper. So if it's not the foundation, what is occupying that space? Think about it. What is occupying your foundational level of your information? As Christians, we must evaluate what types of information we prioritize in our lives. And so much more in this day and age. Because you're getting information even when you didn't look for it. Back in the day, you wanted information, you had to go find it. Now it's just, you're bombarded with it. 
there's got to be a gatekeeper. <laughs> got to be. God's word to receive the prized place in our information diet. Well, pastor, I'm on social media like hours a day. Does that mean I have to Does that mean I have to read the Bible for hours a day to make that No, it doesn't. Should you be on social media hours a day? No. But I believe if you prioritize the word of God, it will also infect the other things that you put into your life. It will inform. When you get into the word of God, you're going to go, this is dumb. This is frivolous. This is not necessarily evil, but this is not profitable. It's a waste of time. I'm not engaging with human beings. Living in a post-truth world, Christians must ground themselves in God's word as the primary source of truth. When we live in a post-truth world, we have got to engage the word of God as our primary foundational source of truth. Hear me. As from a pastor's heart and someone who's in the process of still doing that. It's constantly a process of weeding out and building up. See, she's listening to the Bible right now. Isn't that, everybody. No. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not your fault, it's not mine. Yeah, I'm gonna call her out on that. But she couldn't wait to get the God. I just need the word of God right now. <laughs> Love you. Lord, be with us today. Lord, help us to take a really good, solid, and sober look at where we're, uh, what our foundations are made of. Are they made out of shifting sand or are they made out of your word? Have they, have they been bolted into the bedrock of truth that is your word? God, help us to see and help, your, help us to allow the Holy Spirit as we remain humble before you to illuminate. Let the Holy Spirit illuminate truth in our lives. And if we need to shift some things around and rebuild the foundations that have crumbled, God, I pray that you would not only convict, but you would empower us to do it. Give us your strength. Give us your wisdom as we look to build a strong, a strong life, a life full of wisdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. Have a great, great day.